His name was Julius. And the question is, why was he placed in authority over Paul the Apostle? Very interesting. A trip, a trip to Rome. This is very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are looking at Acts chapter 27. We'll do that in about three minutes time as we begin to study the Word of God, the most important book of all. And Corey and Ryan are with me today. Corey, what's going on? Well, I'm going to be discussing with Mama a little bit about this, this storm and this shipwreck that Paul and his companions were a part of. Ryan, how about you? Okay, so the basic setting of the book of Acts is ancient Rome. And so in my segment, I want to look at one of the most iconic symbols of Imperial Rome, the Colosseum. Very good, very interesting. And uh, Janice, when we talk about this, it's going to be fascinating. So keep track of that. All right, open up your Bible guide and your Bible and let's look at what God says today. Acts 27, 1 through 17. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put out to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmoni. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running under the shelter of an island called Clada, we secured the skiff with difficulty. 
When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on Certus sands, they struck sail and so were driven. Acts 27, verses 1 through 17. Acts chapter 27 and 28, we end up the book of Acts with Paul going to Rome. Paul was well established in the Christian church. But in our reading today, Paul had been arrested and he was sent to Rome. And as a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. And to Caesar, he would go. Now, the trip to Rome was God's will, but accomplishing that trip was a challenge. In Acts 27, we learn that finding God's way in his will can be difficult. There were many people who would have to deal with Paul and many places that he would have to go. But each time the enemy of our soul, that is Satan, tried to trip up the work of God's will. God made his will become even more visible and apparent when he did that. Paul was not following his own ideas or carrying out his own plan. He was following what God was actively doing before his eyes, listening in obedience to the perfect will of God through the Holy Spirit. Paul's trip is an adventure with a lot of unexpected twists and turns. But the Lord speaks to us through these trials and teaches us how to follow him in all his ways. And this is absolutely stunning and amazing. There are people, we're going to learn several things here. There are people who don't really know the Lord who are part of what Paul is doing and part of God's will. But how does God use them? It's fascinating. Really interesting. Today, the way to Rome. Acts chapter 27, 1 through 17. Take your Bible guide and turn to it as we focus on this. It's really something. So, Let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us. Father, teach us your way and show us your path as we look at this trip to Rome. We're going to open up the Bible and we're going to look at it. So we don't want to take our hearts and say, yeah, see, that's what I said. That's what I said. We want to take your word and hear what God says to us. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. We're going to read now. Teach us your way and show us your path. Amen. All right, let's look at this. Acts chapter 27, 1 through 8. There's a lot of Greek names here. I'll do the best I can. But here we go. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustian regiment. So entering a ship, a dramamitum, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and have him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lysa, and there the centurion found Alexandrian ships sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off of Nindus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, 
we sailed under the shelter of Crete, off Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lacia. Now, this is amazing. God intentionally placed Julius of the Augustan Regiment over Paul. That's fascinating. God puts people in our path to help care for us, even if they don't know the Lord. God puts people in our path to help care for us, even if they don't know the Lord. Did you get it? Isn't that amazing? The Lord is in control of everything. That's fascinating. All right, let's go on. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast or the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. All right, this is fascinating again. Paul was given insight of their short-term future. They would have great trouble. We must stay connected to God and be under his direction as we travel in his will. We must stay connected to God. One of the things that people are not today is connected to the Lord. I want to encourage you to read the Bible every day and pray every day. This is so important, especially right now when the news is all over the place and everything's going wrong and everybody's doing it and everybody's got answers. The answer is in the word of God. The answer is Jesus Christ. What does he say? What does he want? Very important. Keep connected to the Bible and prayer. All right. Prayer to God, Jesus Christ. Let's go on. 27 verse 12. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and the northwest, and winter there. When the southwest wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a temptuous headwind arose, called so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her die, drive. And the running and running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on Sirtis sands. They struck sands and were so driven. This is fascinating. The ship seemed to be under the control of the seas and not God. Now remember this, the Lord helps us to be stronger than the storms of our life. And everybody likes to remind us of Jesus Christ and how he controls the weather he does. And he does control the weather here. But understand that it is Satan driving the ship. He wants to kill Paul and kill the people. And God just stands back and directs the ship, making it stronger and the voyage stronger. And that's what Satan does. He may destroy the ship, but not the men. Fascinating. You see, 
the men are the living beings of God. Paul is the living being of God, dedicated his life to the Lord. And God has his hand on Paul. God has his hand on you if you are a Christian and invited Jesus Christ into your life. And if he's got his hand on you, I got news for you. There is nothing that can stop you, no matter how you feel or what you think or what the situation looks like. Nothing can stop you. That's something to consider. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. All right, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, since we're in the book of Acts and the basic setting of the book is during Roman rule, today I want to look at one of the most iconic and well-known structures of Imperial Rome, the Colosseum. The Romans may have been brutal, but they were brilliant engineers. Check it out. Although partially in ruins now due to earthquake damage and stone robbers, the Colosseum is still an iconic symbol of Imperial Rome. Emperor Vespasian had given the order to build the massive amphitheater, then called Amphitheatrum Flavium, and construction began in AD 72. Interestingly, it was funded with the precious metals and materials the Romans had sacked from the Jewish temple during the famous siege of AD 70. And in fact, it would be 12,000 Jewish captives who would be the ones forced to build it. It was an eight-year project requiring more than 6,000 tons of concrete and very large stone blocks, which were quarried 20 miles away. Unlike many earlier amphitheaters, which had been dug into hillsides to provide adequate support, the Colosseum was a freestanding structure. The distinctive exterior had three stories of arched entrances, a total of around 80, supported by semicircular columns. In fact, its outer wall is estimated to have used over three and a half million cubic feet of travertine stone, held together with iron clamps rather than mortar. By the end of it, the colossal building rose to a height of 160 feet and stretched 620 feet long and 513 feet wide, making it the largest and tallest Roman building ever. Indeed, the Colosseum could seat upwards of 80,000 people, and had many features of a modern-day stadium. Tickets, for example, much like today, were used for designated seating. Also inside were 110 drinking fountains and two large restrooms to accommodate the fans. Roman engineers even designed a retractable roof, which could be raised and adjusted to control light and airflow. Also, like our stadiums today, with such massive crowds, quick evacuation of the venue was essential. Interestingly, the Roman architects adopted solutions very similar to those used in modern stadiums to deal with the same problem. The amphitheater was ringed by 80 entrances at ground level, 76 of which were used by ordinary spectators. But the most astonishing component of the Colosseum was its water feature. Indeed, in addition to the gladiatorial contests and the reenactments of famous battles and dramas based on classical mythology, Mock sea battles also took place. For this, the arena was completely flooded, 
a nearby aqueduct supplied the water, and when the battle was finished, it was expelled through pipes connected directly to the city's sewer system. Though now somewhat ravaged by time, this masterfully engineered amphitheater still stands witness to the intelligence of the ancient Romans, for the Colosseum is still considered a wonder to this day. Now, if you know me, you know that one of my passions is studying the ingenious technologies that were developed by our ancient ancestors all over the world. Why? Well, not only is it really fun and fascinating, but it helps to confirm biblical history, believe it or not. See, unlike the theory of evolution, which would expect our ancient ancestors to be less evolved and less sophisticated and not as intelligent as we are, we find a lot of examples of very ancient artifacts which were clearly developed by people at least as intelligent as we are today. In fact, they present such a problem for evolution that these ancient human relics have been dubbed out-of-place artifacts, or uparts for short. Of course, they aren't out-of-place at all in biblical history. We should expect our ancient ancestors to be at least on the same level cognitively, because like us, they too were created by God in His image. Neither we nor our ancestors evolved. We've always been human. Now that said, if you are interested, I produced a two-hour documentary on this very subject called 30 Out-of-Place Artifacts. And if you don't have it, then I really want to encourage you to get it. You can simply call or write or go online to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And if you do decide to get it via our website, then you can actually choose between a hard copy or a digital copy. And I really think that's important because that out-of-place artifacts is very, very fascinating. It's one of the best things that, uh, that I think we've ever done. And, and when you talk about out-of-place artifacts, you don't expect, if you're educated by the society, you don't expect to see us getting or, or being as smart as we were going back. And yet we we see the artifacts that show that we were. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that's yeah. why it's out of place. Yes. And so, uh, but it's just a great series. And it, it's done by several doctors who did it. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Ryan. Corey? All right. Well, Mom, mm -hmm. Acts 27. Yes. Acts 27 is a wild ride. It <laughs> is a wild ride. The it, secondary title for this is Don't Jump Ship. There we go. Okay. Don't, don't, don't jump ship, don't even jump though ship. it's a wild ride. <laughs> right? Okay, so I thought it might be it might be kind of interesting to, to go through some of the his, some historical notes of uh, that we can make on Acts 27, right? So we there's actually been scholars who have examined this account of Acts 27 and, and the, the voyage of the ship, because Luke is very detailed here in Acts 27 about the days and, and the lighting and the the storms and the shipwreck, all of that. He's very, very detailed and methodical in how he he talks about it. And there, there's actually been a scholarly work that compares this to a real life voyage in the sea. And they've come to the conclusion that this has to be from an actual eyewitness account. So there's that, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, I also find it interesting when Paul warns the centurion not to go out on the voyage after they've come. He's, he's encouraging, nope, let's just overwinter here. Let's not go out on this voyage. Remember, Paul was pretty experienced uh, sea traveler at this point, not saying that the centurion wasn't, but Paul definitely was. I think it's in 2 Corinthians that he says he had been shipwrecked twice and had spent a, spent a day and a night in the ocean at one point <laughs> in the sea. Um, so... 
He gives us advice not to go. The timing we know because Luke is so detailed had to have been October, which was a very risky time of year to be sailing in the Mediterranean at that point in history. Uh, the safe times to sail were roughly May to September. So anything after that, anything in October, which it was, was really risky. We're told that the ship that the Centurion uh, gets going to Rome was coming from Alexandria. And this is a historical clue for us because why would they want to sail in the risky time of year anyway? Well, it turns out to secure its food supply, the capital of the Roman Empire, which was the city of Rome, incentivized ships carrying grain from Alexandria, Egypt, to come to Rome. So the earlier you could get to Rome in the spring, the more money you would make. So there's an incredible incentive for ship owners to to travel as far as they can on the Mediterranean Sea before overwintering so that they can get to Rome very early. The earlier they get there, the more money they make. So the risk for them was worth the reward. Now, one other thing that I want to say here, uh, kind of, kind of moving on from that is culturally with everything that Paul's about to experience. He's going to survive a storm. He's going to survive a shipwreck. He's going to survive a snake bite. All of these things would have worked to further exonerate or vindicate Paul in the minds of the people. So he has been accused of a crime against Rome. But we know from popular literature of that time that if someone was to survive something as brutal as a shipwreck or a snake bite or a storm, that for all intents and purposes, they shouldn't have been able to survive. They were seen as blessed by the gods and or exonerated of any crimes that they were uh, accused of. And so I think we see this, you know, as Luke is laying this all out, he's also showing how God is exonerating Paul in the minds of people, perhaps to remove a stumbling block to the gospel. Remember, Paul's already been exonerated by Agrippa and by uh, Festus, the governor um, of Judea at this point, and he's headed to Rome, but he, he has all of these cultural undercurrents that are also further exonerating him, making way for the gospel. So I just thought that was interesting to share. It's very interesting. And it makes me think about our current lives and living our lives for God. Mm -hmm. That a lot of times we go through times where we feel like we're in a shipwreck, <laughs> where we feel like we're in the middle of a big storm and nobody's listening to us. Mm -hmm. Paul tried to warn them, listen, I, I'm not feeling good about this. It's not going to end well. And, and yet they still went on. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's why I said the secondary title for this should be don't jump ship <laughs> because there are times in life, isn't there? I mean, let's just be honest that a lot of times we just feel like jumping ship, yeah. that the storm is too much. It's too great. But as a believer, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that our refuge is in him. Mm -hmm. He is our hiding place. And, you know, we are not promised when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus, we're not promised that we will have an easy go of it. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Yeah. And so in that, you know, Paul was watched by people. Mm-hmm. He influenced people um, by the reactions that he had. Now, he wouldn't have reacted properly all of the time. No. He was a man who had emotion. But he grew in his relationship with God and allowed God 
to work through his circumstances Mm -hmm. and he saw beyond his own self. He saw beyond his own pain. He saw beyond that the people of Malta, when, when they crashed, you know, they, uh, when the boat crashed, mm-hmm. he got bitten by a snake. And so mm-hmm. they were all convinced, oh, see, now he's you are gonna, guilty. You're see, guilty. You survived the shipwreck, but the gods aren't going to let you get away with it. That's their mindset. That's their mindset. Yeah. And so, you know, Paul shakes it off and we, and we learn from the scripture that it didn't affect him at all. Yeah. And then it goes on to where he, he goes into the host's home where they stay and he ends up healing. Anyway, I, I just think that it's, it's, it's a very important thing for us to remember that as children of God, we will go through difficult times. Um, but this is an opportunity for us to, to learn how to mm-hmm. depend and lean upon God. And it's also a time for us as believers to show those around us that it's bigger than just who we are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see, you see as Paul stays faithful to representing the God, representing God, he stays faithful to witnessing to what God has told him. You know, he goes from saying, he goes from being completely ignored. And I mean, it kind of makes sense. He's a prisoner, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> completely ignored. He goes, look, guys, God told me this isn't going to end well for us. Completely ignored. By the end, they're listening to him. He says, you need to eat now because we're about to be shipwrecked. So they all eat. eat. Okay, this is what we got to do. Okay, so this is what they do. So everyone's like, as, as he was faithfully witnessing, not just telling people what to do. That's, not what, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm talking about here. But Paul was faithful to be an appropriate witness of what God was telling him and, 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 and to follow God and to follow the instructions of God. He began impacting the people around him, yes. the people who it really seemed impossible socially and, and every other way for them to be listening to Paul at all. The tables were turned because Paul was being a faithful witness of God. And and God is the same. I mean, he wants us to be witnesses for him and we just need to stay true to who God is and, and love like God does. BibleDiscoveryTV.com is our website. That's BibleDiscoveryTV.com. I would encourage you to go there. You can get resources. There's a lot of things there. The programs are there. The notes are there. And the Bible guide, you can get it there. And so BibleDiscoveryTV.com is where you go. So check it out. In the meantime, let's pray. Today we pray, Lord, help me to rest in your control and not try to control my own life. 
Teach me your way, O Lord, in Jesus' name.